listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. enjoying walking with us on this Advent journey as a church together as we make our way toward the manger. Uh, If you're on our mailing list, look forward today to an email with this week's uh, Advent audio contemplation and also a PDF of uh, the daily reflections for the week. If you're not signed up for our mailing list, uh, today would be a great day to sign up. I don't know about you, but for me, the pandemic has really been an invitation to learn something about being present, about being present to God and being present to other people. I've not always done this well. I have so much to learn. I also have so much to lose by not being present. Uh, And this morning, uh, we're going to be taking some time in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, a classic Advent passage, and just seeing what it can teach us about what it means to be present to God and to other people. So we're going to jump right in uh, by reading the first five verses of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'd like to stop here and ask, what was God doing before humans showed up on the scene, before the world even existed? Well, the answer is right here in these verses. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word, And the word was with God. Did you catch that? The word was with God. Simply put, God is being present to God. Jesus, uh, or the second person of the Trinity, uh, referred to here as the word, was actively being present to God the Father, who I imagine reciprocated his presence. And we don't see a mention of the third person of the Trinity here, the Holy Spirit, but we do in other Uh, parts of scripture. And so we know that uh, there was this gorgeous dance of presence among the persons of the Godhead that pre-exists all things. I think this shows us that being present is actually God's very nature. It's in his DNA to be present. But that's just the beginning of the story because it turns out that God isn't just present to himself. When he creates the world, he goes out of his way. And of course, that is a bit of an understatement to be present to his creation, to us. So let's keep reading, Um, starting at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now let's skip to verse 14, and we'll come back to the other verses. 
The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Well, where have we seen God dwelling with his people in scripture before? We see it when the Israelites are in the wilderness and God leads them by a cloud during the day and at night as a pillar of fire. We see it when the tabernacle is completed in the book of Exodus and God's glory appears in the tabernacle, filling it with a cloud. And then here in John's gospel, we have a picture of God coming to dwell with his people, but now in a very different way. This time, he's not coming as a cloud. He's not coming as fire. He's coming in fragile human form. There's a beautiful parallel between God's presence in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And we see that here in this passage. The word that John, the, uh, the writer of this gospel, uses for dwell, the actual word, is the word tabernacle. So you could say Jesus came to tabernacle with his people. What a beautiful link between the Old Testament image of the tabernacle and the New Testament incarnation. Um, so Jesus came to tabernacle with his people. Another version or translation says he came to pitch his tent among us, to become present to us again, but in an entirely new way. And I think that that's what Advent is really all about. God becoming present to us in a new way. But just because God became present to people in a new way doesn't mean that we were willing to become present to him. So let's read those verses that we skipped, verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. His own did not receive him. What is the difference, we might ask, between those who recognize Jesus as the word of God become flesh, the very son of God, the light of the world, and those who did not? I think the answer may be as simple as one word, presence. There were those willing to be present to God long enough to recognize him and to receive him and to be changed by him. And then there were those who, for one reason or another, turned their back. They did not allow themselves to be present to Jesus long enough and openly enough to recognize who was standing before them. They did not open themselves to him. And in refusing to do so, they refused to be changed by him. And as people of free will, we all have that choice. The choice of who to be present to, who to receive, and who to turn away. We also have the choice of whether to allow ourselves to be present to God, or instead to choose to turn away from him. But what does it even mean when we talk about being present to God? What does that look like? How can we practice being present to him in our day-to-day -day lives. This morning, I want to propose three thoughts that I think can be really helpful when it comes to being present to God. 
And here's the first one. Being present to God starts with the understanding that first and foremost, he is present to us. In fact, my ability to be present to God is really only because he is continuously present to me. You know, one place we see a beautiful portrait of the presence of God is Psalm 139. It paints a picture of God's continual abiding presence. Uh, King David says in this psalm that God is so present to him that even before a word is on his tongue, on David's tongue, God knows it completely. God knows the words on our tongues before we speak them. That's how present he is to us. He's so present that he's even present to David when he's sleeping. David says, when I awake, I am still with you. And of course, uh, David paints this picture of God's presence with him before he was even born. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. How beautiful is that? When we choose to be present to God, when we turn our faces toward him, as it were, we're turning our faces to the one who is already facing us, already gazing at us in love. In fact, from before we're born, God has not taken his eyes off of us. Will we return his gaze? Here's the second thought uh, I want to put forward about what it means and how we can be present to God. Uh, being present to God isn't about doing something as much as it is about consenting to someone. It's not about making something happen. It's simply about saying yes. You know, it's really easy to think that to experience God's presence, we need to go to certain holy places or pray certain words or become really good at meditation and contemplation. But as we've already established, God is already present to us. It's, it's we who have to become present to him. And to be present to God, you don't need to be in a church. You don't need to be listening to worship music. You don't need to be on your knees or have your hands raised. You don't need to be completely silent in meditation for an hour. You simply need to acknowledge that God is present to us or to you, to me, and not to turn away. I just said that uh, we don't need to engage in a spiritual practice to experience God's presence, and that is true. Um, however, I do think that spiritual practices can go a long way in helping us to get out of our own way, as it were, and to a place where we can actually allow ourselves to be drawn in by his love. Um, spiritual practice can give us a path to walk on and a direction to walk in as we say yes. Um, so for instance, when I talk about spiritual practice, when, when I was meeting with a spiritual director once a month, uh, which was, I guess you could say its own spiritual practice, she would always light a candle. Um, and it was to remind us that God was present with us. It wasn't just her and me. It was the three of us, God's uh, presence being among us as a third person. Um, and, um, you know, God's presence was in no way dependent on her lighting that candle. Um, but I found that that candle was surprisingly powerful in terms of helping me to have a sense of God's presence there. Um, 
And I wonder, is there a simple embodied practice that can help you to grow in an awareness of God's presence with you, with you when you go to spend time with him? For me, if there's one practice that stands out above the rest that helps me to recognize God's presence, I think it's just silence, just setting aside four or five minutes of just not speaking and doing so intentionally before God, often before uh, praying, before lifting up my requests to God. Um, I think sometimes when I go to pray, I just need to turn off my tongue because it has an agenda. Um, and I'm just uh, forced really to surrender that agenda to God. Um, you see, when I'm silent, all I can do is wait. It's kind of wonderful to bring myself to God just myself, not listing off all of the cares. And eventually I do get to that. Um, but to have a time where that isn't um, what I'm doing with God. Um, and I find that as I'm waiting, it's often almost, it feels like something, after a few minutes, something just kind of falls away. Um Something falls away that's been in the way, if that makes sense. There's almost this exhale of relief, like God really has been with me all along. I don't have to do anything. I just show up. And in those moments, he's got my attention and I've got his. And that's a wonderful place to be. The third uh, thing I would mention um, in terms of God's presence, God's presence is is often most noticeable, I think, and sometimes really only noticeable in retrospect. You don't always feel God's presence in the moment, or even at all. Now, sometimes we do feel his presence, but if we depend on feelings to discern when he is present, we will miss so much. I often um, come to recognize that I've been with uh, God or in his presence after I step away from a time of silence or prayer or walk with God, spending time with him in some way, when I didn't necessarily feel palpably his presence, but I realize that even though nothing remarkable happened during that time, I come out of those moments different than I went in. Sometimes, for instance, I, I know I feel like I know I've been in God's presence because later in the day, I surprise myself by maybe not raising my voice when something goes wrong that would usually make me angry. Or um, I have a surprising sense of anchoredness when I get some bad news. Or I find that I'm really uh, surprisingly able to let someone else have the last word when I really want to claim that last word for myself. And I'm ready to let just let them have the last word. When these kinds of things happen, I know that I've been in God's presence. Sometimes um, I also know I've been in God's presence simply because I look back on those moments in which nothing remarkable happened, but I crave being back there. I just want to be back there because there's this sweetness, sweetness in those moments that I recognize in retrospect, a burning in my heart, um, except that unlike the disciples on the Emmaus Road who spoke of something burning in their hearts when Jesus was walking with him before they recognized him, um, I'm not always able to recognize, uh, or sorry, name that moment. Only afterward, uh, in memory, am I able to say, God was there, surely uh, I was in the presence of God. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton, uh, who is an author and pastor, um, 
has written a number of, of books I've really enjoyed. Uh, one is on silence and solitude. Um, and uh, she says something that I think really applies um, to what we're talking about. She's actually talking about solitude here, but it applies, I believe, to prayer, meditation, worship, any way in which we spend time with God. She says, just as most of what is happening in the ocean is under the surface, so the most important stuff that is happening to the human soul in solitude, or you could say in prayer or worship or spending time with God, is happening under the surface, where only God knows about it. It's happening under the surface. She goes on to say, most of what happens in solitude is happening um, under the surface, and God is doing it. She says solitude, spending time with God, will do its own work, whether we know what we're doing or not. In other words, you don't have to know what you're doing or be great at spiritual practice to um, experience God's presence and to be changed and transformed by it. Often that transformation is happening under the surface of our consciousness, of our knowledge of it happening. I love this picture of a deep ocean. When we take time to be with God, there is a lot happening in the depths of our soul, whether we realize it or not. And so God asks us to trust the process. He asks us to trust his presence. Well, we started by asking the question, how can we be present to God? But now I'd like for us to ask the question, how can we be present to people? But maybe before we ask that question, we, we should ask the question, why? Why? Why go out of our way to be present to people? Here's why. Because Christ went out of his way to be present to us. And now we are the body of Christ on earth. And I believe that he wants to be present to people in a very immediate, incarnational way through us, his hands and feet. And I believe that each time we choose to be present to someone, God is in fact being present to them through us. We are the vehicles of his presence. So how can we be present to people? Just briefly, here are three ways that come to mind. First, we can be present to people simply by loving them as they are. Jesus always loved people as they were. He loved tax collectors. He loved prostitutes as they were. Many were changed by the power of his presence. Many of them did 180s. They started new lives, but he didn't demand that they change in order for uh, to be present, to give them the gift of his presence. His presence was a free gift. And although, uh, and through it, transformation eventually did take place. In fact, it's pretty hard not to experience God's presence, and sorry, to experience his presence and not eventually be changed. So we can be loving people as they are. Secondly, we can be present to people by bearing witness to their joy and their pain. Simply to bear witness to their experience of life. Paul invites us to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Can we be Jesus' ears for someone going through a hard time? We can't necessarily fix their woes, but that's okay because God can. And sometimes what they need most is simply to know that they're not alone. Jesus mourns their losses with them and celebrates their joys with them. And if we are willing, we get to be the vessels 
the vehicles through which they experience that. Thirdly, and finally, we can be present to people by being present to God on their behalf. And that's prayer. Praying for someone is, in a way, offering them the gift of our presence. I would say don't underestimate how much he can use your being present to him on someone else's behalf, both in their life and also in your life. You know, often I find that when I I spend time praying for someone, then when I'm with them, I end up being more deeply present to them. Praying for someone before you get together with them, like if you know you're going to be going for a walk with someone, taking a couple minutes to pray for them sometime before that walk. Um, you'll probably notice things that God is doing in in their life that you might not otherwise notice. Um, You might be in a better position to encourage them during your time with them or have meaningful conversation that God will use in surprising ways. Of course, there is something really special that happens when you have the opportunity to pray for someone, which is essentially being present to God on, on their behalf, Uh, but in their presence, with them, for them. Many of you know from personal experience what a gift, what a a freeing, transforming, edifying, uh, yes, transforming gift it can be when someone prays to God for you, with you, in your presence, letting you in on their conversation with God on your behalf. That's We each have that opportunity. We each have the opportunity to bless others in this profound, profound way. I want to close uh, with a story. But but first, the final verses of this passage um, give us a marvelous, marvelous promise. And that's verses 12 through 13. John writes, Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If we allow ourselves to become present to God long enough to recognize him for who he is, to receive the gift of of who he is in Christ, we become his children. And that is a good thing to be. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, if you're not sure whether you can call yourself a child of God, um, whether you've been adopted into the family of God, uh, whether you even believe in God, I want to encourage you to simply make uh, yourself present to the possibility of God, to open yourself to the possibility of God and put it to him to reveal himself to you. Wait for him. Be open and look. And let him help you recognize him for who he is and see where he will show up. And when you do begin to recognize him, which, by the way, is a gift, the gift of recognizing him that comes from him, he will give you the privilege of becoming his child. And you will know that you are adopted by the Most High and beloved by the creator of all things. Let me close with a story about a child. I sometimes listen to a Christian meditation podcast by a man who is a chaplain, and recently he shared a story about his young daughter, 
how she had been very upset one evening as she was going to bed. She was crying. She was disturbed by all sorts of fears that were racking her. Uh, fears uh, like um, for, she was wondering, well, what if something happens to the people I love? And that was her, I think, main fear. Well, this father um, did what I think a good chaplain who has helped many people through suffering often does. He didn't try to console his daughter with explanations that he didn't have. He didn't try to help her feel better by making promises that he couldn't keep. He simply sat on the edge of her bed and listened to her and listened to her. And then he gave her a big hug and he held her and he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And pretty quickly, she stopped crying. And soon she shifted from a state of distress to a state of peace. And when he said good night and turned out the lights, she was able to go to sleep in peace. And to me, this is a beautiful picture of the power of God's presence. In a way, this is a picture of Advent. God does not come answering our every question, vanishing our every fear, or making promises that the road ahead isn't going to be bumpy. But he does come. He comes with hardly a word. As an infant, we would not have had a word. And he sits on the edge of our bed, and he listens to us. And he gives us a big hug, and he holds us, and his presence Oh Lord, infuse our darkness with the light of your presence. Turn our hearts and minds toward you this week and help us to walk in the light of your presence. The Psalms tell us, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. Lord, would you remove the obstacles that get in the way of our turning to you, including the obstacle of ourselves. Thank you that you never, never turn away from us, that you are continuously present to us. We look to you, our light and our life. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.